You're listening to RIA Collective with your host, Charlie Van Derven, a podcast designed to help financial professionals remove the fear and anxiety around going independent. Let's go. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of RIA Collective. My name is Charlie Van Derven. I'm your host for the next 20 or 30 minutes or so. I've got a good guest today that I think... Um, brings a lot of value to our listening community. Of course, our initiative here at RIA Collective is to, to help those of you who maybe are in an environment or with a firm that no longer serves your needs to, to make that transition of independ- to independence. We want to give you knowledge. And more than that, I want to give you the confidence to let you know that a lot of people are doing that. And I am joined today by Michael Rasmussen. Michael's the founder of United Atlantic Legal Services. Now, he's based out of West Palm, but Michael provides services actually internationally, and he'll get into that more than I will. Um, He's an awesome resource for any of you who are looking at maybe your non-competes and you're thinking about moving in an independent space. Michael's here to provide services to help you get registered, make that transition even easier. Michael, thank you so much for being my guest today. I'm stoked to have you on RAA Collective. Hey, Charlie. Great to to be here. Yeah, Cool, man. I want to start... You know, um, listen, most people are listening to this, not watching it, Michael. Um, For those who are watching it, this is my dad's house in the background in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I'm looking out the picture window, snow's falling, Michael. And in getting to know you, one of the things that we connected on is you grew up like 60 miles from me in Wapaka. That's right. Wisconsin. That's crazy. I got a, I got a fun story that I hope I hope resonates with you. I hope it resonates with our with our listeners. So let's back up about 40 years. I'm a 10-year-old kid, right? In Wapaka, I, are you aware of the Crystal River canoe trip? I am been there, done that, yes. Dude, oh my gosh. So my dad's a big guy, right? At his he's 5'11, maybe six foot, but most of his life he's about a 280, 290-pound guy, right? So for Father's Day one year, my mom decides we're going on the Crystal River canoe trip. My sister's 13, I'm 10, my brother's seven. We're dragging my dad out to rent these little fiberglass canoes. And if there's anything I remember about the Crystal River canoe trip, it's actually pretty shallow, isn't it? Oh, it can get down to you just right there on the dirt. Yeah. (laughs) So my dad at 270, 280 pounds, Michael dragged his butt for for three hours. It's probably an hour and a half trip, but it took him three hours. So we have affectionately, for the last 40 years since that moment, have affectionately referred to the Crystal River Canoe Trip as the Crystal River Ball Buster. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) One of those things, um, glad to have it in the rearview mirror not to do again and uh, maybe let the kids do that one for sure. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. But it's one of those fun, you know, every family's got fun stories that everybody rallies around. That's one of our fun family stories is Ottawa, Paco, Wisconsin. So, yeah, good. I am excited good, to have you here. Yeah. Oh, thanks. No, Wapaka, Wisconsin, the whole thing, great place to be. But like you just said, you got your snow stacking up out front and I'm happy to be down in my South Florida sunshine right now. I'll be I'll be here for about three weeks dealing, you know, working with some family stuff. And um, I think it's 80 at my house today in Florida. It is like 17 here, and we're expecting 12 or 14 inches tonight. So yeah, I can I could think of better places to be. Yeah. <laughs> cool, well, Michael. Well, listen, I uh I don't want to keep our listeners too long. I don't want to keep you too long. So I want to get into the services you provide because most of the people that we interview. Our, our leadership at RIAs, right? And they can talk about the nuts and bolts and transitioning clients and things like that. But you provide an, a service that really makes this all possible. 
Right. So um, uh, now you're based out of West Palm, I mentioned, but United Atlantic, I mean, you guys provide services for, for, you know, international advisors moving into the U S why don't you, I'll, I'll, I'll quiet up a little bit and let you explain what your business is. Um, go ahead, man. Sure. So just a real quick background on me is I come out of that chief compliance officer, general counsel role for several different investment advisors different sizes, different shapes, retail firms, hedge fund firms, hedge fund managers, all different sorts of things. I decided to launch this law firm in 2020. And really what the goal was is to really focus on that, that launch process. So investment advisors that want to go independent, they take what the steps are to get that up and running. And then we, we work quite a bit with uh, firms based in the United Kingdom because I'm a licensed attorney over there as well as here in the United States. So that's kind of our little niche and what we're focused on. Yeah. And now I, I noticed in your background, I actually have some, some time with FINRA as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Started off as a regulator, got out as pretty much as soon as possible, but um, I will say that that experience, um, you know, gave me some appreciation for what they're trying to do and get an understanding of what their goals are when they're coming in and taking a look at some of our clients for sure. So what, you know, I mean, after, after years in those, in those roles at other firms, what prompted you to start your own? Yeah. So like a lot of uh, the clients that I work with, it's that independence factor. It's the building your own business and really making kind of your vision come true and, and, um, you know, making a legacy for yourself and for some other people and try to do a little bit better. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I'll tell you what I shared too, right? With social advisors who started in 2013 after maybe 15 years of working with other firms and in, in, in similar roles. Um, I th- you know, I thought I could do it a little bit better. And, you know, to your point, you know, really paving my own path instead of being reliant on someone else. So right. I appreciate that, man. I think we're all of, of very much the same spirit, our listeners, the people I've interviewed prior to you, you. So awesome to have you as a guest. Um, let's answer some of the basics, right? Because most of our listeners, Michael, are, uh, you know, folks that yeah, maybe they graduated college, Went to the job fair, got the job with Morgan Stanley. Thought you know, super excited about making that happen, and then they're at a, at a you know, in a uh, in an environment where, and I don't mean to point Morgan Stanley out in this, right? That's just an example of a firm, but um, you know, perhaps you know, quotas, initiatives, cross selling. Maybe none of these things really feel good anymore. Yeah. Um, maybe they can't serve their clients in the purest way, and they're ready thinking about making that move, that's why they're listening. So let's start with some of the basics. So if an advisor is ready to make the move, what does the registration process look like? And how do you and the team at United Atlantic make that happen? Yeah, we try to make this as you know simple as possible, but I'm going to go through a few steps here. Um, but the biggest thing and the biggest issue we run to is we have advisors that are coming out. They think that what they're going to build is going to look a lot like where they're leaving. And you actually had a previous guest, Corey Cupford, on previously. And I think he talked quite a bit about understanding what you're running from and what you're running to, more importantly. And when we sit down and talk to our clients, we want to make sure that they understand their business plan. And that's really step one. We've had advisors push back their launch deadline. We've had advisors that have restructured their entire thought process when they've sat down with us and gone through the actual business plan. I know it sounds like a fairly fundamental thing, but I actually have yet today to have an advisor come to me with a robust business plan coming out, what they actually want to create. They have some ideas and most of them come from that sales side and the portfolio management side of things. 
then maybe they don't have a full grasp of what the entire independent RIA looks like, operations, compliance, you know, all the different moving parts that you have to be dealing with. So that's really the first thing we look at. We also work with the entity formation side of things. So what's the actual legal entity that's going to act as the advisor? What do the operating agreement look like? That becomes more and more important when you're coming out with teams that are leaving these firms and, you know, trying to launch their own thing. Who, what are the rights and responsibilities? What happens if there's a material disagreement about something? What happens if people want to bring in a new partner, for example? Have they even thought through these issues? And we spend a lot of time talking about these sorts of things. And then from you know a compliance kind of perspective, we help draft those initial disclosure documents, which outlines to your clients and the regulators what the business activities of your firm is going to be. And again, that really ties back into that having a robust, well-thought-out business plan, because a lot of the information is reflected in those disclosures um, that should be in your business plan as well. So we focus on doing that. We put together your client agreements, that sort of thing work with the SEC through the the registration application process. So we're right there holding your hand when you're submitting those documents to the SEC. And then finally, we'll we'll finish it up and we'll touch it up with a nice, robust compliance program. But that is another piece that we go back and take a look at your business plan and make sure that what we're actually saying in that compliance program uh, documentation lines up with what you're doing in real life. That's awesome. I uh, I had a conversation with uh, with a woman earlier this week who will be a future guest, Pamela Sams, um, and uh, and she had she come out of Ameri- out of Ameriprise to to go independent um, and went through their P two program, and so she she made the transition there. She echoes a lot of what you said, right? So Ameriprise is great because they give you you know they give you the the roadmap, yeah. right? Here's how you do it. Now you know you're kind of. You got, you know, like you're, you're, you're certainly you're, you're pigeonholed on products and cross-selling and things along those lines. So all the same reasons that, that everybody else leaves, but the biggest fear for her when she made her jump was not having that roadmap, right? Now you've got this, this, this global open world of things that you can do. And she said that was her biggest struggle, right? So what, a, what, what an amazing resource you are to kind of um, to, 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 to put that roadmap together for advisors in the business plan. So in awesome. nine times out of 10, it's, it's advisors that think that that world is, is all the options out there. That's everything that they want to be doing. And they're going to chase down every single thing. And the ones that we see succeed every time are the ones that are focused. They know who they're going after. They know how they're going after them. They know very specifically what services they're going to be offering them. We sit down with clients, we'll, we'll ask simple questions like, what, what type of client are you going after? And they'll say, well, we're going to go after high net worth clients. We just want to deal with that. So uh, no institutional clients. Well, yeah, maybe maybe some institutional clients. All right, so so no retail clients, though, for sure. Well, we may, maybe, maybe <laughs> we'll have some re- foundations. Uh, yeah, yeah, I never thought about that. But yeah, we'll go after clients. And it just spirals into this thing where so you you'll you'll take anybody right <laughs> you're yeah, going to exactly. go after anybody so how are you going to service all these people and what's the, what's the program look like and how how does that all fit together and again I, I don't mean to beat up this business plan idea but sitting down and thinking about what you want to service and then how you're going to service them somebody coming out of a big big firm has never had to worry about things like cybersecurity before that's all taken care of for them. And they need to go out, talk to different vendors and see who's going to help them fill that gap. Because I've yet to meet the financial advisor that can uh, 
put together a robust uh, cybersecurity plan and program, you know, to protect their firm. And regulators are looking at these sorts of things. And it, it's important that those conversations start extremely well before you're starting to you know, the actual registration application process. Once that gets going, time flies and you're going to be up and running without knowing which direction you're headed. Yeah, and I'll, you know most most advisors I talk to are worried about the percentage of assets they're going to protect in that move. Right, you're opening their eyes to so many things that they're not even considering. Michael, what an awesome resource! But tell me when you're when you're helping an advisor with the registration transition process, do you have specific goals? Yeah, so we always define our projects. We try to keep things incredibly efficient, and this goes back to that initial conversation where we talk about. Again, what are the goals of the firm? And really, we focus on that first six months, actually, from the date of launch, six months out, what are the goals of the firm? Most of them are, like you had mentioned, focused on bringing over their clients that they currently are working with, getting that set up. That's great. But you also need to set up the entire base package of you know, what program are you going to use for portfolio management? What's your CRM system look like? Who are you going to use for your outside consulting firm if that's an option? Do you have a legal firm in place? Who's putting together your client agreements? All of these different things, like we need to sit down. We need to get on the same page about these things. That helps with that efficiency thing. The transparency piece is another concept that we continuously go back to throughout our conversations. And this goes to both us being transparent with our clients and saying, you're not ready to submit an application with the SEC. You don't know which direction, again, where you're headed, what you want to do. Put a pause on this. Think about what you're doing. And this can be something like as simple as, are you even properly registered to be an investment advisor out there? Do you have the, the, the FINRA licenses that you need to have? So conversation, and a lot of these conversations are not things that our clients necessarily want to hear, but you yeah. much rather have them now before you're set up and have the SEC looking over your shoulder. And then the last piece of this is that we really focused on tailored solutions, which, which for me means that the what what you're trying to build is what we're what we're supporting. It's not a cookie cutter solution, right? There, you can't do everything off of what um, a baseline firm looks like. It's not going to look like what you are anticipating, what you want to build, and it only leads to problems down the road. So we really focus on again getting to know these clients and what their goals are making sure that their entire legal compliance structure uh, is adequate. It makes sense for them. My gosh, our listeners out there, um, you know, who are actually thinking about making this move and are maybe six, 12, 18 months away from making this move, listen to the things that Michael's saying. These are things you're not even thinking about, right? Again, it doesn't look like the broker deal you're currently at. It doesn't look like what you're currently doing. I mean, there's a lot to think about when you make the transition. Michael, along those lines, are there any common challenges that you see advisors face that you know that people should be thinking about? You're very proactive in your approach with the conversation, but is there anything that you see repeatedly that advisors are, are challenged with? I think advisors come out believing that they understand the business from beginning to end. And I would suggest that most of them need support in different channels, and that includes your your operations team you got to put together. You got to be thinking about that. Again, the legal compliance side of things. What does your marketing look like coming out? Who's going to be responsible for all of these things? And advisors, especially when they come up by themselves, tend to take on way too much 
for themselves. And they're not looking to either outsource it or bring in somebody else. And we oftentimes open people's eyes to just how much work all those other people that were taking a, a, you know, a little slice of what they were getting before at the big firm. Yep. And that, that would, you know, now all of a sudden you're going to have to be paying these people directly and bring them into the conversation very early on when you're building that business plan. You sit down and you talk with your marketing firm if you're going to be outsourcing marketing, for example, and talk to them. This is who we want to go after and this is what it looks like. We have firms that launch and they don't even have you know logos in place and basic stuff like that. They're scrambling to get a website up. Their clients that they're trying to bring over are going to websites that are you know say under development, right? And that's terrible. You can't have a look like that. You don't look professional. Enough. So we really, really try to get everybody on the same page and partner with things that most advisors don't even partner with uh, firms and other people that most advisors don't even kind of consider us as a, an attorney or law firm working with, we try to bring that entire team together and work with different people. So everybody's on the same page and marching in the same direction during that launch process. So day one, when you're calling that client, your website looks great. Your marketing is not only looks good, but it's also you know, compliance approved and there's not going to be any SEC issues, right? For example, that you're going after. Your disclosure documents are actually in alignment with what you're going to be doing. And you're not going to have to be making amendments with that a month, two months, three months later. And people know which direction they're heading. Your operations team is ready for that initial client onboarding, which I don't know how many firms we work with where, yeah, here comes the client. The client's ready to sign the paperwork and everybody's like, the paperwork? What's the paperwork? And where is it? And <laughs> who is responsible for the paperwork? And yeah. <laughs> they're chasing that down, right? So yeah. it needs to be biggest failures. And I think the most often we see uh, clients not coming over is when they run into these kinds of issues where yeah. the advisor calls them up, says, hey, I left. I want to, I want you to come over. I want you to come join us. And um, they're like, well, where's the website? What's the team look like? And there's a lot of ums and ha's and, you know, it's we're getting there and that sort of thing. And then they say, well, call us back in three months when you're up. Yeah. It's too late. Yeah, it absolutely kills confidence, right? Um, you know, they can, they, you know, I'm sure you had a great relationship with the previous firm and they want to go with you, but they, they kick the tires on, to your point, all those, all those marketing assets at the, at the simplest form. And if that's not in place, yeah, that's, that'll kill confidence. Yeah. Um, what I love about your story, about your message is you play in the advisor's life for that transition, very much the role that they play in, you know, depending on their clients, of course, but if it's a retail, you know, family office type type advisor, um, you know, you play that same kind of quarterback role with all these resources at launch. So that's something that they can identify with resonates, I'm sure. Yeah. One of the biggest uh, gripes I had in a previous life when I was working as a, a consultant, compliance consultant, and the focus was on getting the compliance stuff done, let them worry about the rest of the ecosystem and how that looks. And that wasn't good enough for me. And it didn't make sense. And the kind of guy that asks, you know, why, why are we doing this? What, what's the connection here? Probably to uh, the annoyance of some people, but, uh, you know, I like to see that big picture and how people, how everything interacts with uh, the other pieces of the puzzle. And I wasn't getting that at the, you know, the standard compliance consulting firm. So here we talk much more robustly, big picture. How does this all work together? And do we have everything in line that we need? 
That's awesome, man. You got any, uh, you know, I, I like if, if you've got it available, um, client story, right? Maybe, maybe a problem you solve for a client, something that, uh, that our listening audience will be able to identify with. Yeah. So I think when you sit down and you sit with that business plan and the disclosure documents, really understand that what the disclosure document is all about, right? That document is a document that goes to your clients, explains the business of your firm, and it, it goes to the SEC and obviously explains the same thing to them. What you want is for that document to accurately reflect the business of your firm. So we use, like I had mentioned, most of our clients come to us without that business plan. But really, if you look at the template of the questions that are being asked in those disclosure documents, which are required anyways, it is a business plan. And it goes through, again, the types of clients, the types of services, who the third parties that you're going to be working with, and that sort of thing. So I think that we are in a unique and uh, interesting position where we can really help build that business plan. So even if you're not looking to launch you know, in the next month, three months, whatever it is, it's a year out, you can still sit down with us or any anybody that provides these types of services, walk through what information you need to be providing your clients anyways as a fiduciary or to the regulators um, as required by the disclosure requirements and sit down and understand what they're going to be looking at, what clients want to see, and are you able to answer those questions and how do we put this all together? We just got done working with a client that launched way back in August. They were one of these firms that was yeah, we'll we'll go after any type of client. We'll we'll go after any type of service. We'll 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 provide it all. We'll do it all. We're all things to all people, and that's part of the problem coming out of these big firms. Is maybe you can be all things to all people because there's the different channels that those big firms answer. Yeah. But once you get your small advisory, you have a small team. You need to stay focused, and we're working with a client like I mentioned that you know launched back in August, and we're still working through exactly what that firm wants to be. And it's a struggle. They've lost clients over it. They also see conflicting marketing. You know, we work with this type of client. We also work with this type of client. And honestly, clients want to know that they're going to a firm that specializes and focuses on what they do and what their what their goals are. You know, we've been trained as consumers to seek that in professionals. And, and you know, you don't have to look any further than the medical industry, right? Yeah. There are very few general practitioners out there. You still got your family physician. Right. But there are very few general practitioners out there anymore. And I'll share that on the marketing side of what I do in the business development side, I can't, you know, for 20, almost 25 years, I've been asking the question of who do you work with? And the most common answers are anyone with money. And if you can fog a mirror, right? Um, So we struggle with it from a marketing and it's really hard to convey messaging. It's really hard to market unless you know who you serve and what the value of and what the value you provide for those people are. So. And and honestly, the days of where you can just say, I'm going to drop five basis points off of whatever it is to have clients come over without more to that. They can go anywhere and the client can stay where they are, negotiate their fee. That that's not, they want to see, like you said, the value, what is the, why is it that you're special and a good fit for that particular client? That's what they want to see. There are, um, I think this is last year's FINRA number, 612,000 and some change registered reps in the country. There are like an additional 65 or 70,000 IARs, right? That's almost 700,000 advisors. 
all going after pre-retirees, you know, half a million dollars in best plus. It's not all, that's a gross generalization, but um, you know, yeah, get narrow, man. That's how you start, you know, get rid of the competition, your messaging resonates. Um, so you take it from a different perspective, but it's the same, con- we're having the same conversation with right. advisors all the time. So Michael, you're awesome, man. You're such a good resource. Are there any questions that I haven't asked you that I should be? I think that uh, there's nothing terribly specific, but I just would like to put this out there that if you're considering going down this avenue, contact a law firm like mine or, or Corey, I'd mentioned earlier, go watch that video that you had put together with him and really think through what that business plan looks like. Talk to us, see if we have ways of poking holes in it, right? We're going to ask you what we see in the industry. We see dozens of these a year, hundreds of these a year. We, we go through this registration process all of the time. We put together these documents and we can go through and say, well, you know, we see firms succeed here. We see firms fail here. Have you thought about these different issues? And this is way before you even, you know, think about submitting that, that registration application. So get your game plan in order early and um, talk to people who know what they're talking about. Michael, what's what's the if, if we've got listeners that want to reach out, have some additional questions for you, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah, you can find us at our uh, the website, unitedatlanticls.com. A lot of good information on there. We provide some white papers on this registration process. So get some materials and information there. Obviously, uh, reach out, contact us. We're happy to talk. Uh, there's a lot of us in this industry that are you know, compliance legal nerds, and I'm uh, unabashedly one of those. So if uh, you want to talk, I'm happy to talk and uh, love hearing. You know, what's really exciting though, is you you love hearing people's business plans. I like the idea of helping people create these things and they get really excited about them. And that, that energy actually, I I feed off of that. That's, that's exciting for me too to watch people build their dreams and chase down what they're going after. So happy to talk. People should always be reaching out. That's awesome, man. I got one last question for you. A fellow Wisconsin guy. Do you own? Do you own a yellow cheese head? Do you yeah, own one of no. these? No, I don't either. Man. Yeah, I gave up. I gave up my cheese hat when I moved to Florida. It, <laughs> it, it would melt on the. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is how how cliche is this, right? My brother actually runs IT for a uh, Sartori Cheese in Plymouth, Wisconsin. Oh, so there I mean, you go. Whatever it's cheese is cheese is in the blood. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Michael Rasmussen at United Atlantic Legal Services. Dude, thank you so much for being here. You are such a great resource for not only our listeners, but our industry. I'm, I'm excited to refer people to you because I talk to advisors all the time that are, are ready to make a leap, right? So um, if you don't hear from listeners because of the podcast recording, you're certainly going to hear from them from me, um, just passing them your way over, over the coming months and years. So Michael, thank you so much for joining me today on RAA Collective. All right, Charlie. It's great. I appreciate it. You've just listened to another episode of RIA Collective with your host, Charlie Van Derven. For more information, visit riacollective.com. Now, have a great day.